Welcome to the Teachers Matter podcast, where we share stories, strategies, and wisdom to inspire your teaching and enhance your life. We'll go beyond the theory by sharing tips, tools, and actions that will help you to create a positive difference in your life at home and school. With your hosts, Karen Tui Boys and Megan Gallagher. Just imagine this imagine a classroom where when you walk in, there are students actively engaged in a variety of learning tasks. They're choosing what they're learning. They know what they're learning, why they're learning, and how they're going to get there. They're setting their own goals. Their teacher is coaching them. We'll see groups of students that might be collaborating, working together, sharing ideas, skills, resources, other students working independently. Some people choosing to work with people via devices. You know, on online, we'll see people, there'll be a hum, a hum of conversation, there may be laughter, there'll be quiet spots and, and more active noisy spots, but everybody is focused on the learning. Just imagine that, imagine walking into that space. That's a far cry from the education system that started off mass education which was the factory model, the manufacturing age where the cookie cutter idea that everybody needed to be the same, needed to be able to have the same skills, know the same information and be able to clock out at the end of the day and work to a certain standard so that this manufacturing age age could come of age. But now in the 21st century, it's a very different model we need in our classroom environments. We need students to be able to be thinkers. We need them to be problem solvers. We need them to have creativity. Mm. One of my favorite quotes is, any teacher who can be replaced by a machine should be, by Arthur C. Clarke. Today, we are talking about self-directed learning and student agency. I'm Karen Tui-Boys, and I am passionate about lifelong learning. And I'm Megan Gallagher. And in all that I do, it's all about igniting your spark, seeing people shine and living the best lives they can with what they have right now. And I think what we need to do is start by talking about what this agentic learner looks like. Because if we want students to be working with a self-directed learning, they need to be agentic. And agentic is about having choice and voice. It's where students feel like they have a say and that learning's not being done to them. They're part of the process. Erica Twani has a fantastic book, Becoming Einstein's Teacher, and it's all about this. Choice and voice is really important, where I get to choose what I do. Within a, a range, depending on where I'm at as a learner, voice, where what I say is, is valued, where I get a right to have a say in what I am taught. And then the difference between active and passive. Passive learners sit and have learning done to them. Active learners are the people that go out and seek knowledge, seek learning, and then transfer it into new places and new situations. They're the problem solvers. They're the kids that are going to go out there and create new, different things to solve problems that we don't even know yet. We also want, as our agentic learners, to have responsibility for their learning. So they take ownership of what they are doing and what they are learning and even how they are learning. And they have a self-awareness of themselves as a learner. 
It's also about helping our students to have independence, to be able to say, hey, I can do this by myself or I need help with this and that interdependence so that they can say, I can work with a team, I can work by myself. And how important this is in the 21st century to be able to be a problem solver because we don't know what jobs are going into, we don't know what areas in their life they're going to have to solve problems and problem solving is going to be an important skill for them in the 21st century. That's so true. And in order to become a problem solver and to become this active learner, we as teachers really need to go back and think who's making the decisions in our classrooms? Who's deciding what's taught, how it's taught, how it is assessed, who assesses, what good enough looks like, and where mastery's been achieved. If we're doing all of that deciding as teachers, I think that we are a far cry from that vision of that actively engaged classroom. Another thing that comes to mind when we think about agency is that self-awareness, the self-acceptance and the self-compassion. A lot of our students, we live in a world where we're being bombarded with what we should be, or you know the images that come through through social media, these perfectly curated lives where we don't really see people making mistakes, we don't see people failing, um, where flaws are taken advantage of and ridiculed. And yet all of that, if we can actually accept ourselves and accept each other, where we can be compassionate for ourselves when we make mistakes, productive failure, then that's gonna make a big difference for our students and, and, and enable them to be agentic because they're being authentic in that time. And you mentioned self-compassion. I think that's the really important part, that when they make those mistakes, when they get things wrong, is to have that self-compassion to realise we're human, we all make mistakes. We don't necessarily like it, but it's part of that learning process and it's part of the success process. Sure is. And actually, and, and failure is, is, you know, what is it? The only real failure is the one that you don't get up from. It's, it's productive. It's, it's where creativity comes from often. You know, very few of us are overnight successes. And I think, you know, hearing stories about that helps our students to understand that. So as teachers, if we can share that, if we can even demonstrate it in our own, in our own practice, that is empowering for our students. Another thing that I think is really important for us as teachers when we're starting to look at the student agency and the self-directed learning is that not everybody's going to start in the same place. You know, we don't all have the same shoe size or wear the same shoes for the same purpose at the same time. We all have a different skill set and all of our students do too. And so some of our students, when we start exploring project-based learning, for example, um, some of our students will come in and be able to manage themselves really, really well from the get-go. Others are going to need support and scaffolds. And it's our job as the teacher to really look at who needs the support and at what stage and what sorts of supports do they need in order for them to be successful. And I really like the work of Ron Richard when he talks about this gradual release of responsibility. So we start with an initial phase. This is where we're explicitly teaching skills. You can think of it as something as simple as using full stops and capitals. So in the initial phase, I would be teaching explicitly on the board. We'd be doing lots of work where I'd be demonstrating using full stops and capitals. Then we move into a developing phase. And the developing phase is really neat because this is an opportunity for the students then to go and practice 
and we give them lots of coaching and lots of support and lots of feedback. We may come in and do some reteaching. We're quite explicit with, with what we're expecting. So we tell them, you know, we're going to be doing some writing here. Remember your full stops and capitals. And then finally, we move to the advanced phase. And the advanced phase is when we sit as teachers, we move back and we see our students applying that learning, transferring that learning to other tasks. So you'll find that when they're doing some scientific writing, they're using their full stops and capitals as well, independently of us telling them what to do. And this works for any of the skills that we need to teach our students in order for them to be able to be agentic, and in order for them to be able to self-manage and work in this sort of environment. So this means that teachers actually have to step back at some point in the process. Tell us a bit more about that, Meg. <laughs> it's so hard to step back, isn't it? When you can Andy. see it, you just want to fix it. <laughs> Let me take over, children. I can do it. It's really important for us to step back and be the observer and, and actually to let, you know, like we just talked before about productive failure. If I never fail, I'll never learn the skills of resilience because I've got no reason to. So we need to actually let them struggle. I know that you talk about this, Karen, quite often. The struggle makes us strong. Absolutely. And we, and we remove that from our students in so many different ways. So let's let them struggle a little. Make sure, though, that we've taught the skill explicitly so they know what to do, and then they can move forward with it. There's a three-step process that I know you talk about. Oh. What is that? Oh, yes, that's the I do, we do, you do. Thanks, Karen. So I do, I demonstrate. I'm going to stand up here and show you how to do it. Then we will do it together, and I do it with you. And then finally, you do it. I've now taught you, I've seen you practice, I know you can do it, so now I'm going to trust you to go and do it. And I'm going to step back and observe. I might give you some feedback on the way. It's very similar to what Ron Richards' gradual release of responsibility process. And then eventually it's like, go you, you've got this, away you go. And then we can teach you the next skill. Mm. It reminds me that I often see teachers at the end of the year still giving directions that you would have given at the beginning of the year. So an example I've seen recently is when it was the end of the day and the teacher, term, term three, and the teacher said, okay, it's pack up time. Please go and get your bags. Please go and put your books in your bags. Please put your bag on your back and put your chair up and stand behind your chair. Now, possibly that teacher has been saying that already for 25, 30 weeks. And the students have heard that every single day and we are still taking the lead. But what if we, as a gradual release, or what are the three or four things you need to do today to be able to get ready for the end of the day? And so putting it back on the students, can they do the thinking? What I love, Kath Murdoch talks about it in inquiry learning, she talks about doing the heavy lifting. And are we doing the heavy lifting and doing the thinking of what needs to happen all the time? Or are we saying to students, hey, what are the three or four things you need to do to get this underway or to get ready for this or whatever it is, so that we put it back on them to do the thinking rather than them passively waiting for us to tell them what to do all the time. Yeah, and so Erica Twani talked about, you know, students are in schools for 
was it 10,000 hours in um, primary and, and high school or secondary school? And so that's a long time to be in classrooms waiting for somebody to tell you what to do. Yeah, she, she actually says, doesn't she, that that's what kids are really good at when they leave school. They're really good at just sitting around and waiting for people to tell them what to do. And so they go into the workplace and they wait for their boss to tell them what to do. But of course, we know that that's not the ideal person in a job situation. <laughs> no, nor is it an ideal person in a classroom situation, let's be honest. Or even in a relationship, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> So, you know, I know that you're really hot on this, Karen, when you're talking about skills to be agentic. So what are some of the skills that you, you know, you think are most important for us to be teaching our students so they can take off on the self-directed learning journey? I think we have to go back to basics. And I, I feel like I say this over and over again, but I think it is so, so important. Do your students know how to learn? Do they know how learning actually occurs? As Meg said earlier, are they okay with making mistakes? They might not like it, but do they know that mistakes are part of the learning process? In fact, I was talking to my students at Spectrum Academy this morning about taking responsible risks. And I said, who likes making mistakes? And there was this long pause and nobody said anything. And then one of my young boys went, actually, I do. And I said, really? You really like making mistakes? He goes, well... Most of the time, because I know it's an opportunity for me to learn. And I really do think that he meant that because it was it's a nice reframe of him understanding what a mistake is. So being able to take those responsible risks, I think it's really important for our students to be clear on the outcomes. Why are they at school? And I love that idea that we've probably talked about before, but Children go to school to learn to read and write and do maths, right? That's what they're told they're going to school for. But by the time they're seven, eight, nine, they can already read and write and do maths. So why are they still there? So, you know, they're there for their friends now. They're going for their friends. And it's not until they get to about 15 that they realize, oh, I'm here because I need the skills to go to the next level. And so there's that no man's land that, area where the kids don't even know so they need to be clear on the outcomes why are they there they need to learn how to problem solve to persist to be able to have that metacognition to be able to think about their thinking and to be able to reflect on their own learning on their own processes on their own well-being and do that reflection are they great listeners can they work in a team all these things are going to be of course very important when they leave school yeah. uh, and some of the ways you might do that is through project-based learning so being able to have students choose a topic they want to delve deep into it might also be dovetailing back into what Meg was saying before about voice and choice do we give them that choice of you could do this way or this way or this way, or here are three different options for you to show your learning. And so do we give them some choice in the in how they do the learning or show the learning? Do I love this idea of Meg. She talked about involving the kids in the planning. Do they actually, do, why are we doing all the work? So my favorite book title is never work harder than your students <laughs> Love Love it. It. 
But are they also able to, as a skill, evaluate the effectiveness of their own learning? So I see so many students going into secondary school who are just expected to know how to learn and how to study for an exam, but they don't actually know to how to evaluate is what the process they're using actually effective. And I think I think a lot of those skills, when you talk about those skills that you've gone through, Karen, you know, a lot of them, we as teachers kind of expect our kids just to know. Mm. You know, we, we go and ask them to go and work in a group and hopefully they can without actually specifically thinking what are the skills they need to know to be able to work successfully in a group and do all of the students in this group know what it takes to be a successful group member or team member mm. and so I think that's that, that that's something that we really need to be clear on for us as teachers is what are those valuable skills and then how are we going to teach them so Meg what is the teacher's role in all of this well I think it's a really diverse one so it's a, it's a shift from the sage on the stage or, you know, um, the font of all knowledge that we become more like a coach. Our job is to observe, to notice, to share our observations with individuals or with the class and more to be more like a guide on the side. So help, help steer where there needs to be some support and some correction, but not be the person with the answers. In fact, if, if anything, as a teacher, we need to ask more questions rather than give more answers. Mm. We need to be prepared to teach the thinking skills, giving our students frameworks that they can use. I, I'm a big fan of Ron Richard's thinking routines. The habits of mind are amazing. Mind maps, graphic organisers, all those sorts of things to help support our students so that then they can work independently. Yeah. And then we can then coach more and shift them further on, help stretch their horizons. But we can't do that until they've got the skill set to be able to move forward. I love Tony Ryan's Thinking Buddies, where he gets students to think out loud to a soft toy. Maybe it's an individual one or a, a class mascot. And so they hear their own thinking and then ask them to, uh, after a while, gradual release of responsibility, I guess, ask ask them to think to their buddy and then eventually do their own thinking. So, or having a poster in the classroom that says, what do you do when you're stuck? What do you do when you don't know what to do? And giving them options. So they're not always coming back to you as the teacher. Yeah. So practical little things that you can do and to help them be able to be their own learner and have that agency. Fantastic. And it's small, you know, it's, it's about starting with something small, you know, just releasing that responsibility a little bit. I, I always remember being at preschool with my son and I'd been a junior teacher for a long time before this. And then I went into the preschool and I was watching the children and there were three-year-olds and they were negotiating, they were sharing resources. They were resolving conflict quite masterfully. They were communicating quite clearly, even though some were non-verbal, but they were doing all sorts of things. And as a junior teacher, I, I thought I was teaching them a whole lot of that stuff by getting them to sit on the mat quietly and, and listen when I wanted them to. But actually I realized after doing that, that I had been unteaching what they actually knew. 
and mm. I hadn't made I hadn't built on the skills they had so when I went back into teaching after my son was a little bit older it certainly changed my perspective our kids actually do come with a lot if we trust them enough yes so this as we start to wrap up this uh, student agency is about giving students the power to act mm. so that they can take that responsibility for their learning. It's about knowing their own abilities. Do they know their strengths and their learning gaps? Can they have the independence to be able to help move themselves forward and get themselves unstuck when they find they don't know what to do or the answer isn't immediately apparent? Can, do they have that self-directedness to be able to take a risk, give something a go, persist when it's challenging? And are they taking re increasing responsibility for learning? So we are not saying you go to your classroom tomorrow and go, that's it. I don't do anything. <laughs> so Please don't. <laughs> yeah, we a cup of coffee. We're saying yeah. how do you give them increasing responsibility for so that gradual release? Really important. So as we end, we've got a little challenge for you. So what we encourage you to do now is take one thing just one idea, one strategy, and implement that over the next three or four weeks in your classroom. Don't try and do it all. Certainly don't do what Karen <laughs> suggested and go and grab your coffee in a magazine and sit up in the classroom and say, kids, you just take care of things now. Just pick one thing that's going to help to release that responsibility more to your students than yourself and see how it goes. It's about deliberately implementing these strategies. And so we hope you have lots of fun with this and I hope you see the difference and the empowerment that gives your students to be able to thrive in your learning environment. Thanks for listening. We're here because what you do matters. Thank you for listening to the Teachers Matter podcast. We're eager to transform the lives of even more teachers and educators. So please remember to like and review the show wherever you listen to this podcast. It really helps. And if you enjoyed the podcast and would like to have more resources and information, head on over and join us at spectrumeducation.com.